0: Well, greetings from the team at Vendia, and welcome to Circles of Trust. It's a podcast for leaders across all industries committed to speeding up innovation at scale. So I'm your host, Tim Zonka, and I'm really excited to dive into a conversation with Joyce Clinton. She is the head of management reporting systems and operations for Union Bank, and Francine Klein, who is our senior solutions architect here at Vendia. So, in this episode, we're going to get a behind the scenes view on closing the books and the, the processes set up for reconciling data as it comes in from multiple sources. So, let's jump in. Uh, welcome to both of you. It's great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks
2: for having us. Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: So, Joyce, um, I'd love to have you start. Can you tell us uh, about your role at Union, Union Bank?
2: Sure. Um, my role, I'm responsible for closing the managerial books, um, which is used for all aspects of management reporting. It's to ensure the data, financial data, lands timely and accurately in the various tool sets that we use. The managerial data is used for business performance reporting, SEC reporting as well as for the budget and the forecast. So it's used by many different uh, stakeholders.
0: And I think I forgot to ask when we first um, when we first talked what do you report up through the CFO or what organization are you part of then?
2: Yes, yes, through the CFO organization.
0: Okay. Great. thanks. Uh, well, welcome. yeah, it's awesome to have you. And then Francine, can you also, I know you've been a guest before, but can you um, kind of reintroduce yourself uh, for those of you who um, didn't listen to you know, your former appearance and, and tell us what you do here at Vendia?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on the Solutions Architecture and Client Success team here at Vendia. Uh, my role is to work with customers to bring their solutions to life on the platform from onboarding to best practices to discussing the art of the possible, of how to think of the new world of data. And then, prior to Vendia, my career uh, has been in the data space, developing dashboards, building warehouses, technical strategy, and ultimately leading the teams. And uh, I jumped over here to a uh, product that I believe in.
0: Great. Well, uh, welcome. It's great to have you again, uh, too, Joyce. I'd love to start with you. And um, have you described the process of closing the books? I think, as someone who who doesn't have a kind of a finance or accounting, you know, uh, background. I've, I'm always really appreciative of those sorts of folks because there seems to be this mythical like, you know, we're busy, we're, you know, either closing the books or we're going through an audit or whatever it is. And um, to me, it has this like mystical, magical, you know, the thing that people do over there. But, you know, tell, especially for someone like me, like, what does it mean to close the books? What's that process look like? And also just touch on, I'd love to have you touch on like, why does it matter? What, why is it important to the business?
2: yeah. Yeah, I'll start with that, Um, why it's important, is the data that we deliver in our clothes is, as I mentioned earlier, used for all aspects of management reporting. So you've got your general ledger that delivers your statutory data, if you will, but it doesn't tell you anything about business performance. Um, What my team does and what I'm responsible for is taking that statutory data and transforming it to a business performance view. And it's absolutely critical because it is the source of record for the board report, um, for the segment footnote in the SEC 10K and Q, um, for all of the budgeting and forecasting, and really, you know, strat strategically where our financials are heading in the in the near future. Um, well in the future and then a few years out. What's unique about our process, I, I believe, is that it's highly manual and it's highly manual due to the lack of data that we can uh, gather at the source. So instead of having a straight through where the data comes from the system of record straight to a management reporting tool, it hops several times uh, before it lands with my team to make sure that it's complete and accurate. And we spent a lot of time, you know, wrangling the data, remediating data that comes into us wrong, um, validating data. For example, we pushed through, in addition to hundreds of data processing routines, we pushed through 175 manual data loads. And that means we have to go source from 175 different unique sets of data, transform it so that it will be accepted by our our measurement reporting tools, and then make sure it lands correctly. If it doesn't land correctly, Mm -hmm. we lose credibility. And it's a long road to get that credibility back.
0: Yeah.
1: Joyce, you just gave me some flashbacks. I remember we were trying to reconcile all these things. You said like you lose trust and we tried to put the, we, we put the data together, right. Then all this time came out with a number and some other team did their own for theirs. And they're like, well, our number different. And so then we basically had to do it all again to just to find why the, finding why the variance was there is almost even harder than doing it the first time, uh, which is one of the, you know, exactly all the different stops and starts. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's not just the reconciling it's, also finding why your version is different than someone else's.
2: Yeah, that that's an absolute great point. If if you're not, you know, if people lose faith in your data, then to your point, Francine, they're going to create it on their own. They're going to set up their whole process. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, because it's such a complex process, they're going to miss stuff. And so they're going to go mm-hmm. to their leadership and say, this is what we delivered, which could be higher or lower than than the truth. And we spend time and it's our team because it's automatically assumed that the management reporting team is wrong. So, and we know we're not, but we have to spend time and, and reconcile in, in, you know, PowerPoint slides to be able to defend that they're not using the, the right and the, the golden source of truth. And I do think sometimes that folks don't like the result in the golden source of mm-hmm. truth. So <laughs> if you don't have a, a, you know, a reliable system as your anchor, it's really easy to go in and say, Hey, I don't know what their numbers are, but this is what we're really doing. And with folks, you know, uh, compensated based on performance data, that's another thing it's used for. It's, it's critical that it's, it's the right data.
0: You know, you mentioned uh, like 175 different kind of facets to it. Like, what are some of the sources? Is it 175 sources, or is there you know fewer than that? But then there's different kind of like processes. Like, describe kind of where's all this data coming from? What are some of these main places?
2: Sure. So in banking, which is where my experience is, there's a concept called funds transfer pricing, and what that really is is when a bank loans money they need to pay for that funding of the loan, just like you and I would pay interest to go get a car loan. And then on the other side, the deposits generate revenue or generate funding at a very low cost. And so what we have to do is transfer price, the loans, and give credit to the deposits. And our system, unfortunately, is um, there's a lot of patches in that uh, funds transfer pricing routine such that we have to load rates. We have to kick off the routines. We have to load balances that, you know, if we don't do it right or right for errors, um, because it's a pretty significant portion of management reporting in a bank for a business unit. Um, so that's an example of of what we do in a in one of those 175. Uh, data loads. And another example is our cost allocation data. So it's just taking your cost of doing business and allocating it to the various business lines so that they can bear the entire cost of delivering their products and services. And that too is not automated. So we have to take that data in, mm-hmm. process it, reconcile it, make sure it zeroes out. Uh, so those are two examples of uh, the 175 that we do.
0: Great, thanks. And what about, you know, you, when we spoke last, um, you know, you were talking about the importance of and, and you know, it's it's already coming out now, just like the importance of data cleanliness, uh, around data completeness. And, you know, you started to tease out some of these layers in between, you know, when the data is produced, and then, you know, like, kind of the consumption, are those layers between like the the production of the data, and then who consumes it? Is it all is is it does it span multiple groups like can you can you talk more about that there it seems to be a whole just like universe of complexity and
2: yeah it does so typically the data starts at the system of record so think of a deposit system and it just hops through various systems in the bank various warehouses for use in different aspects of analysis or reporting and so it's, it's, it's challenging to get that data in and make sure that it's complete. And by making sure it's complete, you've got to go back to, you know, the various systems of record and make sure that it's, it's the same set of data being defined the same way across the enterprise. And so that's, that's the challenge.
1: Do do you have the issue, because we had this, where like all the hops and jumps, right? So say someone's generating information, right? You take out a loan and you have that versus the deposits. Not only are those two systems different, like connecting the fact that they're there and then the hops they go through... For some latest information, like a balance is managed by one team. And then the next one which pulls different information, right, might batch it overnight, is managed by another team. And then it goes over here that like, you know, bounces it off some internal ID to find some internal risk indicator or categorization, which is owned by another team. And so you have to not only not only is it 175 systems, but it's like each system manages different parts of it Mm and might by different teams. And then who you know, how frequently are they loading? What kind of quality checks? Do they look at error? It was. It almost felt like a problem where it got so hairy that you'd be like, "Ugh, screw it!" But like, you can't, right? Your bank and you can't say no. But
0: yeah, no, that's that's really a great point. So both of you have used examples like in that, you, you know, Francine, you talk about, you know, you get to this point and then you batch upload or batch process something, and then Joyce, you've mentioned things like, well, hey, all of these are, you know, these parts of the process are manual, and then you said, and then at this point we kick off a routine. Can one of you paint like a picture, it sounds like it's it's super lumpy, like some of the stuff is automated, some of the stuff I assume is like an integration and it's like, you know, hands off from a human perspective, some of it's extremely manual, like, can you kind of paint a picture of all those different variants with like examples of like, here's where it's super manual, here's where it's automated, but it still takes long, you know, like, I'd love to hear more about that.
1: I've never heard the word lumpy to describe data, but I love it. I do
0: too. <laughs>
1: it. it, it, it. Yeah, it gives us kind of a 3D physical nature to it. Um, you, you know, and it, you could probably give more information in the banking space and the different scenarios in which you see it, but it's so, right, the, the application that we as personal bankers, right, interface with is one system that tries and, and might load information in a specific way so that we have a fast experience. Um, but then right after that, right, the the, the team right after, like N, one level deep, um might not need it right away, right? It's slow, it's expensive. The systems that do so might be mainframe, so they have to do something maybe overnight because it's too hard to make it real time in theirs, and maybe they're just doing uh a risk indicator to make sure a balance stays a certain at a certain percentage and then the next team lower might be doing something else that aggregates it and says, Oh, well, all these personal bankers do this, and all these you know business bankers do this." And so each team has different types of needs and then has a different dependency on the one above it. And it's to date, right? Systems haven't existed well that actually make data flow back and forth. And so you have to either use another tool that sends it from one tool to the next. And so you have an integration tool that might do one type of like a, by a hundred thousand records, or you might have one that says only at night because it's too uh, labor intensive. And so every end level of Depth adds not only delay, but changes that you don't have control on. Um, I'd be so interested to hear, like, from where the information is generated, what are the types of, what are all the hops that something has to go through before you even know what's going on?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I I think that the, the reason it goes through so many hops is the various uses of the data and for example, you know, I want to model what my deposits are going to look like based on these parameters for X years, as opposed to, um, you know, what's my cost of funds on delivering my product? What is my real estate footprint for my branches? So it's all these different uses for the data that I think complicate how it's delivered and how it's how it's used um, and it's really hard i mean if you think about it like a bank a bank's asset if you will it's data you deposit cash and you pay your bills and and what have you mortgage but it's really the throughput of all of that all of those transactions that make a bank complex in my point of view And so it's just it's just it's challenging to make sure that that data you should use it one time all the way through. You should never have data that can be manipulated or tweaked for another source. It's one system of record, one source of truth. And there's opportunities if I want my report to look a different way, if I want my performance Mm -hmm. to look a different way you can define the data yourself but it always gets reconciled back to the to the golden source of truth did i did i answer your question
1: oh yeah do you and like even when you have a golden source of truth for say an asset i imagine there's supplemental information that you have to add in from other systems and so even knowing that you're talking about the same asset like, to reconcile right um it's not just cleaning from the hops and starts it's oh well, i need this information i have to you know, supplement it? And as granular as you have an asset ID here, how do you know that that information is for that asset? Is it a name match? The reconciling um, became, you know, you had rules and matching and yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a huge part of what we do. I have 20 folks who are offshore. So the cost per person is, is lower than if they were onshore, but I'll, their job is to make sure that data is complete, that it's clean, that it lands where it's supposed to land, and then validate that it did before it pushes out and it's used for mm-hmm. any of the management reporting. Because it's, I mean, it's easy to pull in your own data if you have that ability. And with with the data yep. coming in from different sources, the benefit of ours is that we capture it in in one system of record. Um, but still people will try and use data in a way that it's not intended to be used.
0: And you mentioned, you know, 20 people offshore. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about your team? Um, sure. and it, you know, like, are they all offshore? Do you have a mix? What are the, like, I'd love to know, like not only numbers of the groups, but, um, do you spe- do you have them specialized in different parts of the process? Oh, absolutely.
2: That's a great question. So I leverage the offshore team and their responsibility is to make sure that the data lands correctly in the management reporting system of record every month for close. So we start on business day minus two and we end on business day 11. And so it's a pretty long process when you're considering business days versus calendar days. And their job is to um, validate the data that lands systematically. So we have all kinds of sources of data coming into our manager reporting system. A lot of it, most of it is automated, but these 175 manual data loads, think of them as as journal entries. They have to go out, capture the information, transform it in a way that the system will receive it, and then push it through for consumption by our, our lines of business. So it's a lot of heavy lifting. It's, I would say it's it's the dirty work because they have to make sure it's correct. You know, the minute something lands incorrectly, we lose credibility and you don't know what you're doing and your data is wrong. And, you know, the easiest thing to go into a meeting when your numbers aren't, you know, landing where they should or heading for, you know, from a forecast perspective where they should is to blame the person providing the data. Oh, that's not my data. And so it's really it's really important that we get it right. And so we have uh, recons from that team when the data is received, then we have a maker and a checker that pushes it through the system. Then it comes out of the system. We make sure that that data process correctly. And then we push it to the reporting system where it's, it's aggregated into the reporting system where it's used. Um, so that's the offshore team. It's an operational production team. The onshore team, which I have about, uh, six folks onshore, their job is to face off with the business and they know their business. They're each assigned a business, consider them like a, you know, a corporate finance CFO liaison. And, and so their, their job is to, you know, uh, any issue remediation, any question resolution. Um, they participate in business cases, so they understand how new data is introduced, what its intended use is for, and they can face off because that team is is highly experienced and they understand the business. And so it's it's a nice break where you've got this offshore team focused 100% on getting that data right. Um, and then you've got the onshore team, um, which is focused on customer support.
1: This is so funny because obviously, I'm having been in the data space as well, sometimes I forget to realize some of the roles that we all play, right? So whenever someone thinks about data analysis and the people who play data analysis roles and business partners in that role, I know what they think is, oh, they're doing forecasting and they're looking at the information and garnering, garnering insights and idea. And you say, well, yeah, we want them to. But in order for them to do that, they probably spend, what, 60, 70, maybe 80% of their time just wrangling and cleaning the data, asking the business, hey, is this is this value right? Like, Are you putting this information in? Before they can actually look at it to ask questions, to say, where is our business going? What should we invest in? And the amount of time, people, resources, coordination, project management, uh, risk mitigation, and just trying to make sure that you have a clean thing to look at is, sometimes I forget how much time we spend doing that. And it's uh, every now and then I have this like, oh man, there's got to be a better way.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the best way is to get that data from the source straight through and landing in the management reporting system. And I always say, if we had clean data, if we had accessible data, you wouldn't need my team. I really think my team is there Mm -hmm. because we don't have complete data. That's straight through. Um, and I'm sure that's, you know, that's not an anomaly. There are other, you know, banks I've worked in it in financial services for decades that have the same challenges, but you're right. It's, it's an effort. To make sure that that data is correct. When I joined, I didn't, I I was more on the business side, you know, using the data rather than delivering the data. And I didn't understand all of the various degrees of reconciliation and hop and transformation that the data needed to go through. To be able to be used, mm-hmm. and when I joined, uh, there was the, the data was not trusted because there were errors all the time. We didn't know when we closed the books, when the last entry went in, and I mean, this data was used for the the segment footnote, for the ten Ks and Qs, for management reporting, for all the business operating reviews, and it wasn't reliable. Um, and I think that's one reason that I was mm-hmm. fortunate to get the role. And it just took a lot of grinding and effort and roll up your sleeves and doing the yeah. dirty work to make sure that that data moves correctly. And if it's, and many times the data breaks from source to a warehouse and we have to go figure that out. Oh, yeah. We're not experts, but we know enough about the data lineage to Go figure out why mm-hmm. it, why it broke, and and you know if you do it right, it looks like it's easy, but getting it right, I
0: know
1: right,
2: is huge, <laughs> right? huge. Um,
1: and people, are, oh, I just enter it and it shows up. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's funny. There's something that you had mentioned that I, I I always overlook is the same information that you need to close the books, right? And and we we know how complex that is from a from a business rule perspective and a logic is also the same information that makes you compliant. And the risk of not being compliant because of your data is, is terrifying to say, I actually am blind to what's happening, let alone closing the books. But from a legal perspective, I think is so often overlooked and only answered after someone's hand gets slapped.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Our process is, is socks. We have to be SOX compliant, Sarbanes Oxley, which is unique, um, and I think that uh, well, it's because we have customer data in one of our on our tool sets. So we have to every quarter verify that the data is accurate, received timely, um, complete, and we're we're audited on that. So it's really important that the data that we get and that we transform. Is, lands correctly.
0: Are, are those audits internal, external?
2: Um, the data is used for the the segment footnote in the 10Q and the 10K, the quarterly and annual reporting to the SEC. So that is what makes it, uh, um, our audit requirements even more complex and onerous compared to other systems. Um, just for the fact that it's used in the,
1: do you have to build it, like, in addition to reconciling and the team size to reconcile, do you have to build parallel systems for the mere purpose of the traceability and the auditability so that you can tell folks what you did?
2: I do not do that. I don't know if that's good or bad. But, I mean, we reconcile every step along the way to make sure that the data from the system of record comes in and it's complete. And then as we process it through our system, we have a couple of systems that it processes through. The first system that it, you know, it's complete every step along the way and then delivered to our business users, um, transformed for their use in, in management reporting.
0: Joyce, you mentioned kind of business users, management reporting a handful of times now. Can you talk a little bit more about, like you had mentioned your six onshore folks um, are kind of plugged into the business yeah. and so they're they're working with them. Can you talk a little bit more, yeah. a, a bit more about what is the business's involvement? Is it all to help kind of reconcile and uh, help ensure the cleanliness and accuracy of the data or are they consuming any of the output of, of the reporting as well?
2: Um Their role is to consume the data and yell and scream when it's wrong. (laughs) Um, Whether or not it's something that my team may have done or the data was booked incorrectly at the source, they know enough to know when the data doesn't look right and they raise a red flag and then my team has to go figure out what happened. If something happens, sometimes it's just... That's not how they expected the data to land, and that's the way it landed. Okay. Um, based on you know volumes and rates.
0: Interesting. Um, and then what about you know kind of moving forward? So like you've you've described kind of the the process as as it's been working, you know um, recently. You know, are there any big rocks you want to move or you're you're hoping for when you think about the next 12, 12 months around?
2: Know kind of initiatives
0: yep. you have, or kind of your vision of, of what you'd like to see better?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that having the onshore team that liaise with the business is a good use of time and resources. The offshore team that I have exists because the data isn't automated. So I I would really hope that we invest in, and that's what we should do is invest in automating that data mm-hmm. at the source, because it you know eliminates. The probability or possibility of error throughout the various hops that that data takes. You know, it goes through multiple warehouses before it comes to my system. And if something breaks, and it's very difficult to understand where it breaks, we have tens, hundreds of data sources coming in that are automated. And then you layer on this manual effort and it, it's just it just creates a lot of energy to reconcile data I mean it has to be mm-hmm. complete and it has to be accurate but I really think that that is a you know it's a great investment in time to and and energy and resources to automate your data anywhere you can you know if you're if you're fighting for funding in you know uh, project meetings, it's really easy to say, well, if I invest in this product, I can drive this much revenue. But if you invest in getting clean data, that pays back in multiple places um, forever, as long as you deliver that data. And so I think it's it's hard to compete Mm -hmm. with a revenue generating initiative. But, you know, it's like your house, you know, if you're Pipes are broken. Oh, it's a nice house, but I can't live in it. And so that's, I really feel that there should be more of an investment in data, data and process. I, that is,
1: that so, brings so dear to me. So, too, I thought back to Tim's analogy of the lumpiness of data, because you mentioned how data, right, goes from one to a warehouse. And to your point about basically like smoothing out the lumps, because of it's not just, right, the visibility there, there's a tool that moves it. So if you're moving it from system A to system B, you don't just have to know why it broke in system B. You have to know what the tool is that moved it. And that probably doesn't have information. So the lumpiness there. And it's really hard to, to your point, define the ROI on that because it's so indirect. Right. The the attribution, um, right. You'd rather you'd rather change your marble countertop into something that's bright and light as opposed to fix the pipes that you don't see because like, well, the water's still coming, like, you know, it might might be a little dirty, yeah, but no one exactly. knows. Um, in, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a
2: great analogy.
1: Uh, but so, and to your point is the, the amount of teams right and the cost associated with not doing it is you don't know until after the fact, um, not only the cost associated with it, but the opportunity cost of with more timely and more accurate information. What are the types of things that people would be empowered to do that you don't even know about? Right,
2: right. And an example, if I may, um, some years ago we had a data, one of these manual data loads, which again is because the data is not automated and it broke. It, it wouldn't, the whole system, it's um, the transformation of data from statutory to managerial system just broke. And the reason was, is coming in from one of the warehouses was an extra digit mm-hmm. in the identifier. And yep. we were calling Oracle and you know uh, consulting firms trying to figure out what was wrong with it. And that's you know if that data is you know incomplete in one little yep um, you know digit yep it it creates so much noise and and you know again lack you lose yeah. credibility mm-hmm. and I believe in that situation. The CFO, that's the first time I ever met the CFO of the bank in person wow. because of that situation, because no one could figure out what was wrong. It was just that little teeny extra digit.
0: That's a powerful example. Wow. You know, you you mentioned um, just the idea of, you know, a bit of your more near-term vision and, you know, talking about yep. like, um, you know, finding value and in, in reducing at least what I kind of maybe summarize is like reducing the costs that are associated with just some of this data cleanliness, data integrity, yeah. um, which I love. I mean, it's it's both aspirational and very pragmatic and kind of tangible. Like you can understand how to get there. Um, as we kind of start to wrap up, uh, one, one final question I have for you is like more of the magic wand question. So, you know, in addition to kind of aspirational, anything else that may be even a little longer term that's that's almost maybe a little more like, could we ever get there? Like if you could unlock something around this data sharing and um, you know precision that you've been talking about, you know, um, especially for like Union Bank, what sort of thing would it be?
2: That's a great question. I think that we need to streamline how we capture the data. I believe that there are unnecessary steps that data travels through to get to land for its intended use. Um, and, and that might be a little vague, but you know it's deposits and loans and rates and payments and disbursements. Um, but there's all of this additive information that I think clogs the system and makes it challenging to consume that data for its really intended use, which is, you know, what's my net interest income on my business? What's the operating expense to deliver that business? And what overhead am I carrying because I'm a bank and I have to, you know, perform these routines? So... I just, yeah, I think it could be easier. Less is, less is more and simplify the process. And I think the reason why it's aspirational is the cost, mm-hmm. the cost. I mean, it's easy to envision, I want to automate one of my data feeds from the source. Okay, we get, you know, 100 grand, we go and we figure out how to capture that so that you can take my team out of it. But to figure out, you know, of all of those fields that at some point can break, do you need all of them? I don't think so. So I think you could streamline the data that is sent to systems for for use. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah. It, it does. Yeah.
2: I see it as like making a cake and frosting the cake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my grandson takes that, that little tube and he just goes all over the place when all he needed to do was put a flower on the cake. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, it, it's a lot. My, my motto has always been less is more. And, you know, schmoozing me with data that is not important isn't going to hide the fact that the basic fundamentals of your business aren't performing. Mhm. And that's what I think a lot of this a lot of the data that we capture does and it's just so expensive to maintain, you know, it, uh, audited by, you know, all kinds of regulators. I mean, there's a cost of ownership of that that I think, you know, it's like, oh shoot, I'm done with that audit. Oh shoot, I'm done with the quarter. I don't need to worry about that anymore. Yep. Um out of sight, out of mind.
0: For another half quarter until it starts again, <laughs> I assume, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Or my team that, you know, 15 days from when we booked the last entry.
0: Um, well, thank you. This was this was fantastic. I've been uh, really excited to get back together with you and, and chat through this stuff, Joyce and Francine. It's always fantastic to have you share your experience, both not only at Vendia with our customers, but um, I think just your your rich um, data history as well. So, um, as we kind of uh, wrap things up, just uh, not only a thanks to the two of you, but just thanks to our guests for listening and for uh, for joining. Uh, Joyce and Francine and just all the the talk on bringing trust to your data. For those of you who are interested in learning more about the organizations, products, research mentioned in any of our episodes, visit vendia.com forward slash podcast and we have links to all that sort of stuff. When you're ready to keep the conversation going, uh, download or stream all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, your top favorite streaming services. And if you have a point of view on the challenges, the power, the potential of bringing trust to your data, and you want to be a guest on Circles of Trust, just uh, DM us at uh, Vendia HQ, either on Twitter or uh, and mention Circles of Trust, or you could find us on LinkedIn. Thanks again to the two of you for joining us. And uh, for all those listening, if you like what you hear, take a moment, drop us a few stars, favorable review, or what have you. And until next time, thanks, everybody.
2: Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.